This time on Novell Open Audio, we talk about security and the process of patching holes in Swiss cheese. Welcome to Novell Open Audio, the podcast that connects the Novell community with what's going on inside and around the Novell universe. I'm your host, Aaron Quill. I'm Randy Goddard. And I'm David Mayer. And today, as Randy talked about, we are going to talk about security. This was actually recorded when I was out in Nuremberg in September of this year. In fact, guys, this is it. This is the end of the Sousa content that I recorded when I was oh. out there. I think that just gives us an excuse to go find out more. Absolutely. I think we need to plan another trip to Germany. But before we do that, one of the things we're going to need is feedback from our listeners to hear exactly what type of content they'd like to hear next time we're out at the Sousa offices. And we'll go get that organized. So you went out there and you found out about the patching process. Yeah, I was real interested to find out what happens when security flaw comes up. What do we actually do? How do we, you know, how long does it take us to respond to it? Do we respond differently based on the severity of it? I had a chance to sit down and talk with Marcus to really understand how the whole process works. So let's go ahead and listen to the interview. Hi, this is Aaron, and today I'm sitting down talking to Marcus about security and some of the cool things that we do with security here at Novell. Good afternoon, Marcus. Tell us what you do for us. What's your job title and what officially do you do? I am the team lead of the SUSE security team, taking care of security of the SUSE Linux product lines that we have, which is both the open source part and the enterprise part. And I lead a team of three people. We are handling both the reactive and the proactive security work and also do some research on security. Okay, let's take a minute and talk a little bit about what you guys do. How are you reactive? So reactive, we are taking care of security incidents as we find them and taking care that we release updates for products that we have shipped already to the customer. Okay. This includes watching the mailing list where such things are reported public and both non-public. That includes watching releases of packages like uh, new major releases where they explicitly mention that there are security problems fixed, okay. which the Apache and the Linux kernel and so on do note. And also uh, we find problems by ourselves by looking at the source code of packages where we have the idea that there might be problems those packages we look at, we review the source code. If, if there are problems, then we release um, also security fixes for those. So I'd imagine security is handled differently, whether it's a piece of code that someone at Novell or SUSE wrote that's included in the distribution. If we see a bug in that, we go and we fix it, we write a security patch, and then obviously make it available for other people that might consume that application in other distros. Do we handle it differently if it's an application written by someone else, not under the Novell umbrella, and they submit a security patch to it? Do we handle it differently to check to make sure that really works and fixes the problem? So the incident handling workflow is the same for both, but the internal software, of course, gets more scrutiny by us. And we have, of course, the developers right here so that we can tell them how to do it better the next time. And we actually look at their code before we ship it. If, they, if we know that there are security critical things in there, we look at the critical pieces of the code that they've wrote and give back our feedback. And they know that they can come to us and 
ask if there are security specific topics to they want to know about, they come to us and we teach them how to do it correctly. And that actually does bring up a good point, which is we do within Novell, kind of regardless of the software, we have everything go through a security review board before it's released, right? The Novell standard products go through a secure review board review, mostly of the design of the usage of cryptography and similar. For the open source side, it's mostly my team that goes through because we are not writing and designing the software ourselves that we package. Okay, we, we do have some own pack, uh, software where we do review design, but most of the web server and the kernels, these are designed by the outside and we, we take in those and review the parts that are necessary to review. But for the internal packages, we also help with the design review. Okay. So when a, a patch does come from outside the company, I assume we do testing on that, though, to make sure that it's not exposing, you know, that it truly fixes the problem and it's not exposing new issues, if at all possible. Yeah, so let me briefly go over our incident response workflow. Oh, great. We get knowledge of an incident, like coming from outside or what, wherever, and it gets entered into our Bugzilla. So every incident we know of gets entered there. Then we reassign it to the packager. So we have before included all the information we can get on it, like the effective piece of code, potential patches, perhaps um, proof of concept ex exploits and similar. And then we hand it over to our the packager of the package who is most familiar, of course, with the source code so that he can review the change. We have, of course, reviewed the exploit code if there is any, if it's dangerous or not. And the packager reviews the changes, submits the packages to our internal build system. And within the internal build system, there are, again, people that review the patches that gets submitted by our packages and also see, hmm, this might be dangerous or this is definitely not doing what it says it does. So malicious patches have really no chance to go into a release product. Okay. And then we take that code and we make it available through the update services usually? The fixed packages go into our build system that is also used for building the products. And the same build system is also used for building later the updates. It goes into the system, maintaining the integrity or the dual checking mechanisms that we also have for the release. And then after getting built, goes into our QA department. We have... I think at this time, three or four people working on testing our updates, both security and bug fix updates we release. Those check normal test cases for the package so that we find regressions. Like occasionally it happens that a patch breaks functionality, especially the kernel has such problems. And they also verify that the actually security problem is fixed. Okay. So we provide them with the proof of concept exploits or we write little tests that show that the problem is fixed and they also verify that. And if they give their approval, we release it to our customers. Okay. And that kind of describes how we're reactive. You also mentioned though that we're proactive as well. Yeah. I mentioned that we do security audits of uh, critical pieces of code, which is one of our proactive works. So we look at software that is especially critical, like network demons, like set URD binaries and similar and audit their critical pieces of code where they interface with the user, where they interface with the network, and check that they are not using unsafe constructs or that there are no bugs in there. Other parts of the proactive work is that we also help with the design of 
stuff in the next products like we did with the whole device permissions and mount permissions so that the desktop user can mount actually CD-ROMs and floppies and so on. So usually only root can do that, but the desktop user, of course, should be allowed to do it in a secure way. So it's currently that way that the desktop user it checks that it is the desktop user that tries to mount it. But any other user on the system is not allowed to at the same time. We also do education, like we are holding talks and educate our developers on secure programming. Or we also will be lecturing about secure design at some point in time. But secure programming, we have hold several talks already. I noticed walking down the hallways here in Nuremberg, I, I keep on seeing signs up for a security summit that's coming up. Um, is that something your group's putting on? Uh, that's actually a Novell-wide summit, but we are participating. So we are just one part of the Novell security folks. And we are hosting this summit, which is virtual security summit, which is broadcast via a conferencing system, which has mostly a goal to educate our developers and, of course, any other interested people within the company to security technologies, to security problems that, that happen. And we're doing this in a, this year the first time in a virtual way so that a lot of people can participate and not just those that can pay the travel to any random place where our company is. And, of course, it will also get recorded that we can later show it or people can later review it on their own time. Sure. That's really, I guess, one of the best ways to go after security is to make sure that things are designed secure as possible from when you start to architect the solution. Yeah, the best idea is not just to put a security on afterwards, but to educate all the people, the programmers and the project managers and so on about secure design, secure programming, so that the problems don't happen, but they are uh, even in the developing of the programs that they are done securely. Do we handle security different between some of our enterprise distributions like SUSE Linux Enterprise Desktop and the server versus, say, OpenSUSE? Or do we handle security the same on each of those? So the criteria for releasing security updates are the same for both. So we are not doing favors between them. There's more stricter QA for the enterprise products because our enterprise customers have very, very strict QA requirements. Sure. Especially for the kernel, they really require that we do not break their modules during normal security updates. And I suppose it also really helps that our enterprise versions are built off of previous versions of OpenSUSE. So there's uh, quite a bit of common code in between the two. Definitely, because the enterprise version, like the version 10, is based on the SUSE Linux 10.1 version. So they benefit from both from each other. So the 10.1 version, of course, benefits from the very stricter QA that the less 10 testing gets and vice versa. Okay. And how long, from the time we release an operating system, how long do we provide uh, security updates for? So for the community products, uh, SUSE Linux and now OpenSUSE lines, we do this for two years okay. after release. For the enterprise line, we have done this for five years for the SUSE Linux Enterprise Server 8. Oh, wow. It's now in its fifth year. So, But customers have constantly requested that we extend maintenance time. So the SUSE Linux Enterprise Server 9 and the SUSE Linux Enterprise Server 10 will be maintained for seven years. Okay. And they are even forced that to do it longer, which is, of course, putting 
a lot of pressure on us because the open source community at one point in time they stopped maintaining old versions yeah for instance we still have php4 in slash 8 and slash 9 and php4 is now finally discontinued in some months but for instance slash 9 we are still maintaining four more years and we have to backport of course all the fixes to those um, packages all right excellent one thing to mention is that um, for security updates, we usually don't do version upgrades because our customers have certified their systems against specific libraries or programs. And so we try to avoid version updates. And it also helps, of course, our QA testing. So if we just put in a very small security patch, then we know if there isn't a really big problem somewhere, then just this patch is... Um, changing the behavior of the program and all other functions will continue to work as expected by the customer. Yeah, and that makes sense because a lot of times in between like version 4 and 5 of an application, they can be radically different. APIs could be called different things. Config files might be totally different. So that makes a lot of sense and probably makes things a lot more stable on the customer side. Yeah. What else do we do to ensure that our products are very secure? Well, we only include software that we know that is secure. We try to avoid software that is really insecure. We avoid shortcuts to any kind of ways of doing things like just giving out set URD root permissions because it's easier to do so. We more prefer to do a secure design first of technology. Okay. And, and we also have put some stuff in the distribution to really help lock it down and really kind of control what's going on. Specifically, I'm referring to AppArmor. Yes, App uh, Armor is our application confinement solution, which basically puts a firewall around the application itself. It specifies what the application is able to do. Okay, and when you say able to do, what do you mean? Like read directories, talk over certain ports? At this time, the App Armor protection protects reading and writing files and director modifications and starting other programs. What it has gained in OpenSUSE 10.3 is network controls. So you can actually forbid the application to access the network. Okay. And more things are being considered. And one of the cool things with AppArmor is it allows me to put a whole nother layer of security on my system. So really what happens is I build up a server, turn on the specific services. Maybe this is going to be a web server that also has a MySQL server on it. You can put in kind of a training mode where it learns how your application runs, correct? Correct. So you set up the server like you would do, and then you start the profiling and run usual test scenarios and see what files it accesses, what programs it runs, and can put those profiles to a learning mode and adjust them and if you are comfortable that you have tested everything and you put them in just enforce mode and then will deny anything that is not expected. And so that's great. So if someone does come out and figure out a hack to get around some security or, you know, does a buffer over uh, flow or something, we're going to be able to say, hey, that's not normal behavior. Normally, we don't allow Apache to read out of your home directory or to read whatever. Correct. Excellent. I know one of the things that's kind of caught me off guard since I've been doing a lot of open source and working with a lot of different Linux distributions is a lot of the different developers and distributions work together to solve a lot of issues. Does the same thing happen with security? Are you dealing with other distributions? Yes, we are dealing with other, other distributions. We share a lot of packages or a huge lot of packages and we have an internal 
cross-vendor forum where we discuss security problems or notify each other of pending security problems as they happen. And also the coordinate um, actually release times of our security updates. So we usually, if we get knowledge and we wait two or three days or some days before actually disclosing this information to prepare updates for our customers so that we can release updates or that every distribution can release updates to the customers at the same time. Okay. So is that how long it normally takes when you hear of uh, a patch and does it normally just take a couple days to, to do the testing and verifying of that patch before it's then redistributed by us? So it always depends on the severity of the issue. For critical patches, it takes just some days. Okay. Um, and depending on the load, uh, the not-so-critical issues might take longer. Sure. For, the really, for some where we really think that it's not in, a, in any common scenario, we might just postpone the fix to the next release. Sure, and that makes sense. Yeah, we have two mailing lists. One is the announcement mailing list where we put out our security advisories. This is openSUSE-security-announce at openSUSE.org. And anyone can be part of that mailing list, right? Anyone can subscribe to this mailing list. Excellent. And we have a discussion list, uh, openSUSE-security at openSUSE.org, where all the security problems can be discussed. And now that you mentioned it, of course, we have an official email contact, which is pretty easy to remember, security at SUSE.de. This arrives directly in the inbox of my team and myself and we will handle it or we will ask uh, answer questions you have regarding our security updates and so on. There's also a page on novel.com directly. One last note is that uh, if you are coming from the Windows environment and you're always used to just put stuff in and install applications, um, you are usually doing it at, as an administrator. And if you're coming over to Linux, it might sounds strange for you that there's a separation between the user and the root, uh, the system administrator user. It's actually one of the strengths of the Linux system that application installation and configuration is done by this root user and all the normal work like reading email, surfing the web is done by the user. But this separation also helps to avoid some of the more common problems in the Windows world like viruses or things that you cannot get rid of your computer anymore. This is one of the reasons that Linux systems are usually more secure or less affected by problems than um, the usually Windows desktop. That's a really good point because then when I get all these junk emails in my box that have attachments with a virus on it, even if I were dumb enough to double-click on it and try to install it, it would stop me and prompt me for the password of the root user. Yes, that's also one thing that we take care of, that it's not automatically started by anything. Usually it would be a Windows exit, but if someone would have the idea of sending Linux viruses this way, it would also query and deny access to it. Then. Okay. Do we have any sort of uh, virus scanner in the system? There's an open source virus scan solution called uh, ClamrV. Um, okay. And there are also integrations into the email front ends. I think Kmail, and I'm not sure if Evolution does, but there's usually a plugin that can scan the email for viruses. Even though they are not really necessary for Linux, they can already help. Yeah, it's a nice extra step. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Marcus, thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to me today. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> 
Thanks, Aaron, for doing that interview. And thank you, Marcus, for the great information. Now, a side note, I noticed when we were talking about going over there the next time, you mentioned we instead of just I. So, you know, that implies more than one person. Well, you see, it was supposed to be we to begin with, but somebody backed out at the last minute. And Uh, I don't believe it's either one of the two people that are talking right now. I believe it was someone else that backed uh, out. Yes, it was me. I was supposed to go with Aaron and stuff came up and I couldn't go. No, that's fine. I mean, I just went to Germany for a week and then spent the weekend alone in Nuremberg and then went over to the Czech Republic without Um, you. But that's fine. No, sitting alone in a hotel room was totally fine. Both great places. I, I enjoyed my last trip to Nuremberg and Prague was beautiful. Well, thanks everyone for listening. I'm David Mayer. I'm Aaron Quill. And I'm Randy Goddard. See you guys next time. Laters. Remember that Novell Open Audio is brought to you by Novell Users International, as well as Novell Incorporated. Most of our content is directed by our listener community, so please send us your feedback by email at openaudio at novell.com or by leaving comments on our website at novell.com slash openaudio. That's it for this time. Have a good one.